You are tuned into another edition of World of Noise on X-Ray FM and the X-Ray Podcast Network. I'm your host, Bob Ham. If you're joining for the first time, this show puts the spotlight on the Portland music scene, interviewing musicians, bookers, producers, record label owners, and record store owners, whoever is making noise or working on behalf of the noisemakers in the metro area. Now, as you already know, so many of the folks that make up the music scene are hurting right now due to show cancellations, non-essential businesses being shut down, record store day being rescheduled, etc. So while the lockdown is in place, I thought it would be good to kick off the show by highlighting some ways that you can help support folks in our community. For example, the Doug Fur Lounge, one of the best venues in the city, has kicked off a fundraiser to help support their staff and cover their expenses while they wait for the lockdown to lift. If you head to support.dougfur.eventbrite.com, you can either toss them a small donation or throw down for some cool packages like renting the venue for a private event or securing a pair of tickets to every Doug Fur show in 2021. Or you can purchase a gift card to the restaurant and bar for when they open their doors again. Again, that's support.dougfur.eventbrite.com. As well, our friends at Vortex Magazine, one of the most crucial publications covering the Portland music community, is in the midst of a big subscription push right now. If you want to help support their network of writers and photographers and designers who are all telling the story of the Portland music and music culture, head over to vrtxmag.com slash subscribe, and you'll get the next four quarterly issues sent to your door, as well as a PDF of each issue delivered to your inbox. I should make it clear at this point that although I've written for Vortex in the past, I and X-Ray are reaping no benefits from these suggestions I'm offering up. Like everything I do on World of Noise each week, I just want to make sure that listeners here in Portland and the world at large know about the amazing art happening in our city every day. Without venues like the Doug Fur and publications like Vortex, Portland would be a much less interesting place. So with all that out of the way, let's start the show. Clark and Jen Grinnells, the two singer-songwriters and musicians that make up the project known as Siren Songs, have been friends for almost 20 years, meeting first in San Diego when they were both in a regional production of the stage version of Footloose. They became instant friends that have been crossing paths and collaborating ever since. But in recent years, they finally found themselves in the same city, right here in Portland, and have put a lot of energy into Siren Songs, a showcase for their tightly knit harmonies and pointed song selections. The duo's first album, a self-titled record that they are self-releasing on May 29th, pulls from the various elements of their history, including songs from popular Broadway musicals, the Joni Mitchell classic, and some originals. It's Americana at its finest, recounting everyone from the Carter family to first aid kit in their work. Ahead of their album's release, I spoke with Grinnells and Clark via a conference call to learn more about their friendship, their music, and becoming Siren Songs. a young girl I had me a cowboy You weren't much to look at Just a free rambling man Meredith and Jen of Siren Songs, thank you so much for being on World of Noise today. No matter how I thank you. Thank, thank you. you. 
Now let's get this question right out of the way. So how has the shelter-in-place rules and the coronavirus been affecting your lives, both personally and creatively? <laughs> oh my goodness. Do you want to go first, Jed? Or do you want me to? No, I you mean, start. You have the children. We're, <laughs> yeah, sure. We, um, you know, for the, for one thing, I think if we had been doing this interview on any other occasion, we probably would have been in the same place, but instead we're answering you from our respective houses. And, um, and so, you know, everything takes a little bit more consideration, a little more planning. Um, and, uh, and so that's the, you know, immediate thing that I think of. Um, and then our, um, shows that are scheduled in May are in the process of being rescheduled right now, which is great that we're finding new dates to do it, but all of our, the planning that we had done leading up to, um, performances in May is starting to change and we'll have new dates to announce soon, but, um, but we're home and, um, and we thought we would be rehearsing for some, some upcoming, really exciting live shows and playing music in the same place. Um, but instead we're taking that creative energy and, um, and doing some, um, remote creativity, sending things back and forth. And we, <laughs> we just made a, we just made a video and, um, uh, and Jen, you did a concert last night online from your house too. Yeah. 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 So creatively, um, a lot of staying at home means a lot more online, um, reaching out and, uh, concerts and, um, (laughs) that sort of thing. And the video that Meredith talked about, we basically were like, well, we need to kind of make a music video. So we filmed, um, at our own houses and then pieced it together. (laughs) That's very exciting. Like our social, social distancing music video. That's very exciting. <laughs> when is that? When is that going to be available for people to see? This day. day or not? Oh yeah. my goodness! Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, we're gonna put it. We're gonna put it out this afternoon. Um, yeah. Well, fair enough. Well, how can people most easily support Siren Songs and your music individually? Like, where can folks go to, you know, purchase music or maybe throw some money your way? What can What can they do? Hmm. Um, well, uh, yeah, I it's a really think good because we're, yeah, we're such a, a, a brand new group. Um, I think the best thing for people to do right now is to find us on Facebook, um, to follow us on Spotify so that they'll be notified when we are starting to put out, uh, music. Um, I I think, is that, which I would, that's what, yeah, that's my answer. It's so much harder when I I can't see Meredith's face. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, like, wait for a pause to come in. Yeah, I I think that's the thing. Over the next next few weeks, we're going to start releasing singles from our upcoming album. So we have not delayed the the release of our album. It's still going to come out at the end of May, and we just have to do everything a little bit differently. So the best thing to do would be for people to find us on Spotify and follow us there, become our friends on Facebook. And then when the singles are released and when the album comes out, you will know. And, um, and so you have to kind of wait to, to, <laughs> to support us when the time comes, but we'll be like handing out little teasers and um, this video. And then the singles will start to be released leading up to the album. So you can definitely use the month to support us by just giving us a little bit of attention and hopefully we'll, we'll pique your interest um, when the time comes, we'll have a show here in Portland. Excellent. You two have very fascinating backgrounds, and I wanted to start uh, with you, Jen. Uh, you've been a working artist for a while now. You've 
been touring and recording your own music as well as doing gigs with folks like Mark Broussard and 10,000 Maniacs and uh, and you had a, uh, a musical project called Good Night Sun Hello Moon that was in the works um, why did you want to transition to doing a duo project like this? Um, let's see, well the the musical, actually that's a song from the musical that I wrote that Meredith and I decided to sing um, within our Siren Songs group. Um, okay. We added it to our, our set, yeah. Um, I think that it was just a really easy, natural um, progression, kind of. I mean, we just kind of keep saying that this was meant to happen, and the universe was like, um, you're going to be a group now. Go. Because <laughs> um, we have been friends for so long um, and had our individual artistic lives, um, although we, you know, sang harmony with each other for things we had written. Um, and did perform together from time to time. Um, but we were always kind of on the road. And um, what really happened is that we, I moved to Portland. And um, so suddenly we found ourselves in the same city. And then um, Meredith was asked to do uh, an evening of music uh, for a theater here. And we put together a Siren Songs concert. And it was just so magic and so easy and so um, just felt so good that we were like oh this is a big thing like this is let's keep doing this woke up it was a Chelsea morning and the first thing that I heard was a song outside my window and the traffic wrote the words it came ringing up like Christmas bells and wrapping up like pipes and drums oh Ever since that concert, it's been the most easy uh, musical project that's ever happened in the history of all musical projects. I think. Yeah. <laughs> no hyperbole. Now, for you, Meredith, you have a fairly extensive musical theater background. You've performed uh, in Wicked, Evita, Light in the Piazza around the country, and you did a tour. Uh, with a Joni Mitchell sort of tribute show that you put together called Joni Mitchell's uh-huh. Blue. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, was this uh, always something eventually you wanted to move into, like something that was more of a collaborative project like this? Um, well, absolutely. I, if I am to be completely honest, my dream has been to sing with Jen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it just, yeah, and it has, it's like a dream come true. We've been friends for so long, and um, I, I lived in New York City and pursued musical theater for a a decade. And then um, uh, kind of in tandem with that was, was doing songwriting and played, you know, I play instruments. So I was playing folk instruments and writing songs, but it was never kind of, it was never my bread and butter. I, I, I did it for, um, for joy and for love, but then I, I was, my career was in, in theater. Um, but every time I got a chance to perform with Jen, it was like, that just felt so right. And so easy, just as, just as she described and so when things started lining up and we were in the same place, um, just the exact, I can just reiterate what she said. It was like, oh, well, this is what we're supposed to do now. And um, <laughs> uh, so I got back from uh, Colorado last, uh, last summer. I was doing a show in Colorado and we came back and we were like, okay, let's record, let's do some recording. We had a, a really big show in Astoria at the Liberty Theater and that was very exciting. And, um, and all these really cool things started lining up. So um so yeah, this has been a long time in the making, but certainly a dream come true. 
Now, how did you, I think, Jane, you said you just moved here, uh, or very recently, is that what happened? Um, yep, it's been just about a year. Um, I I kind of go back and forth, well, not anymore, because of, <laughs> you know, sheltering in place or whatnot, but between Nashville and Portland, um, I kind of had, had thought I would be splitting my time between the two cities when I wasn't on the road, um, but truth is that I got to Portland and I really, really loved it. So I have spent the vast majority of the last year in Portland um, and I, I kind of claim it now. I don't know. It's probably too early to claim it, but I, I just really love it. So it's been about a year. Last, last spring when she arrived, it was right when the trees started blooming and I was like, oh my gosh, this is such a perfect time for Jen to come because the tulip trees, the camellias, <laughs> and then the azaleas, and it was like so magical and colorful. I was like, oh, I think we got her. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and I think, Jen, if you survived at least one like winter season here, you're good. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I totally did. I was like, okay, still worth it. I still love it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been good. It's been really good. Why Portland, though? Was there anything that drew you out this way, besides hanging out with Meredith more frequently? <laughs> yeah, besides the universe being like, you are going to come start Siren Song. <laughs> um, it was, uh, no, I mean, the, the, the truth is it was my husband's job. So, you know, as a as a touring artist, it, I kind of was like, well, as long as we still kind of have a home base in Nashville and there's an airport nearby, I can really be anywhere so he kind of was like, well, let's try out this, you know, let's try out this Portland thing. Um, and yeah, so that, but I think it was really the universe being like, this is where you will go next. <laughs> that's, that's really then my theory. This, this, this might be leading the witness a little bit, but, but um, will you talk a little bit about how the music scene has really opened its doors to you here as well? And like finding people immediately that you could play with and how like that, how that went and like recording your personal album here too yeah that's actually true so when I was living in uh full-time in Nashville um I was recording my next album of my own individual music um that's actually coming out in August and um I was working with a producer and we were working in Portland so I was literally flying from Nashville where there were tons of studios um to Portland to record this album because that's just the way that things had worked out and the producer I'd chosen to work with. And um, so I spent time in Portland recording the album. And then when my husband um, got the job in Portland and we moved out there, it was just so, it was amazingly convenient because it was like, oh, now I don't have to take a flight to finish this album. I'm, I'm in the city. And that was just really, really cool. And it, it was just so nice to then wake up and just drive 15 minutes to the studio and, and finish and um and yeah I, I do feel like it was kind of like Meredith said whereas in Nashville you know everybody is doing music so it's a little bit no it's a lot it's a lot different <laughs> it's a very different vibe whereas here um you know I immediately had lunch with a friend who's a producer and he was just like oh you know we're just so happy to have you in the music scene it's great to have a singer songwriter and you should meet this person and you should play with this person and every person that I talked to was wonderful and I hired them and I started working with all these wonderful musicians that have found themselves in Portland as well. I, so I'm just, I'm loving the scene and I'm loving um, all the creativity here and how easily I've found it and how just willing to collaborate people are. And um, 
yeah, it's been pretty, I'd say that part's been pretty magical as well. When did you two first meet? (laughs) 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 When did you two first meet? 20 years ago. 20 years ago? Yeah. 20 years ago in a spirited musical (laughs) version of um, Footloose. Yeah, we were three years old. And we did footloose. <laughs> we uh, we were doing we were doing theater. Both of us were living in San Diego, um, and uh, and we were um, doing musical theater. And we met doing doing like Jen said, a spirited version of Footloose at Moonlight Amphitheater, and um, became friends. We had an hour long commute, and we decided uh, on the first day we became friends because I think we were both reading books. And then I talked to Jen, and she was going to do an open mic that night bring our guitar and I was like oh I've written a few songs I should come and we should do that together and then we were inseparable we started doing the um the commute together and that was really like the the moment that we bonded and became friends and then um you know our paths have have kind of crossed and we've we've just been best friends ever since Jolene 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 I'm begging of Please don't take my man One, two, three, four We had a brief uh, roommate situation Uh, We lived in New York City together (laughs) I lived in her living room Yeah, she lived in my living room Well, were you from here, Meredith, and then came back, or what was what was your path that brought you to Portland? Oh, I've crisscrossed. I I grew up in Kansas City, Missouri, and then I went to college in Atlanta, and then I went to grad school in San Diego, where I met Jen, and then I moved to New York City and lived in New York City for ten years, and then I um, met my husband while I was on tour with a, a theater project, and we. Um, and then he lived in Portland, so I moved out to Portland. I was ready for something different and a break from New York. And so when, when he and I decided to live together, I was like, you know what? Actually, don't move to New York. I'm, I'm ready to come to New York or come to Portland. And, uh, and Jen was heading west on tour, so I hopped on her tour, and we, I played with her. And then we both landed in the Pacific Northwest. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the first Siren Songs album that's coming out uh, next month, it's a, it's a pretty perfect combination of your collective musical histories. There are songs from musicals, there's a song from Wicked on there, um, and there's a Joni Mitchell cover, and then there's, as I said, a song from the musical that, uh, that you were working on, Jen. Um, was that a pretty deliberate move on your part to sort of like work in maybe a comfort zone of sorts? Uh, in terms of it being musical theater? Oh, well, just, just any of it, just because these, these are songs that you were familiar with, at least, at least the cover songs that were on here, and then, you know, maybe the, the other song that Jen had, maybe was it something of, yeah, just, you know, working within sort of stuff that you knew and were comfortable with to jump into this new project with? I think that's I very think the album was born. Yeah. yeah, the album was born out of the first show that we put together, Um I mean, because, that, you know, most of the album is recorded um, pretty darn live, you know, just us in a room with a mic and choosing our best performance. Um, and 
the show that we put together was basically our, our favorites, um, just things that we really enjoyed singing together. Would you say that's right, Mayor? I, I, I think that's totally true. And I think you're really onto something. Like, because we have such a long friendship and have been making music together so long, we had this, this list of music that we, um, or a catalog of music that we have been playing and performing for so many years that we just went through and we were like, hey, this, is, this would be really interesting to, to record. This would be really interesting. This is speaking to me now. And it really is, a, um, you know, us just kind of like cherry picking some of our favorite moments in our, our musical time together. I've heard it said People come into our lives for a reason Something we must learn And we are led To those who help us Most to grow If we let them And we help them in return And the good news is that that, that list was really long And so, you know, we have, we'll have more There's more, like, in our live performance You see more And we have more albums Like, just, like, ready to go um, and, and yeah, I think, and you're right. It's like from our collective history, from, from my love of Joni Mitchell and from our collective, uh, theatrical background and then just harmony, like really our sound is, is about us singing in harmony together. And it happens like so easily, um, we can harmonize with each other. Sometimes we don't even remember like which part we were supposed to sing, but like we in the moment, no, <laughs> somehow magically, I don't know. So, um, so I think that's it too, is that like, we just love singing together and making music together. And so, um, yeah. Well, if you had this long list of songs, how did you end up paring it down to the nine that are on this first album of yours? Uh, a little of this and that, like we wanted, we definitely wanted some original music. Um, and so we, uh, there's some songs that Jen has written on there and ones that, that I, there was one that I just called out in the studio the day we were recording. Um, I was like, hey Jen, like, let's do, let's do Grey. Like, we haven't played that in years. Let's do that one. You change the color of my world. Those were the brightest days. a new light on everything you set fire with your gaze um and then uh for good uh which is the song from wicked that um jen has made a, a new arrangement for um we thought that was important to put on our first album because it's a song that's sung by best friends and we are um, best friends and we had worked on it um, just a couple years ago or actually it was a year ago doing a recording um, and a video project with that song so that was really speaking to us um, Jen's song from her musical is really timely because she's like currently in the writing and producing aspect of it so I think it was things that were just kind of on the precipice and in our minds at the time um, is what ended up on the album that were speaking to us in the moment of of that of the creation of that of this particular um, recording. Yeah. Now there are, as you said, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> now there are three original songs in here of Jen's, and as one you said came from the musical that you're working on, Jen. Uh, what can you tell us about the other two, One Hundred and Gray? Um, let's see. Well, those are songs that um, were that I wrote a while ago, and I think what's what's really fun about this project is that it's much more you know, folk Americana, it's just like straight ahead folk Americana. There's not really like a question about what the genre is for us when it's just, that's how it happened. Um, And so I love, we kind of looked at what songs I had written and I love that we could be like, okay, which songs really kind of skew that way? Um, They're more folky and um, singer songwriter um, and harmony driven. Um, And so we actually pulled out, I would say like a handful, but a hundred is one that I'd never put on an album before. And I also, I don't really, I rarely perform it unless Meredith is at the show and I can call her up to sing it with me. So it was fun to put it in our Siren Songs concert and then put it um, on the album. And then like Meredith said, the song Grey, um, it was one that I just hadn't, I kind of like forgot about it and I knew, and you know, she knew it and she knew a harmony and she just kind of called it out in the studio. And I was like, I think I remember how to play that. And then <laughs> we did it and they were like, well, that was good. And we put it on the album. <laughs> Another hundred tries Another hundred words Locked away with a hundred muffled sighs Seems like a hundred years Till I might see you again But if I do Not one word will be as I intend I just had like a physical risk. Like hearing you tell that story again, I got chills on my arms and legs because that's exactly what happened. It was like, let's just try it. Let's see what happens. And then, you know, it, we, yeah, we recorded it and that performance just is what's on the album. And it's so, it's magical. It's really magical. Yeah. And the, the musical that I am working on is also folk Americana. So it was, great to have this song that I had written that can really be taken out of the musical theater context and um, be like, oh, I think this would be perfect for siren songs. And um, so that's really fun to sing with Meredith, too. What can you tell me about that decision to record things as live as possible, as you said, with just like a mic and the two of you singing and playing? Because um, uh, we are really performers at heart. It's yeah. that simple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else, but now I think, that, <laughs> I mean, not something completely different. I think that really captures it. Like both of us love the live, live performance. We love being on stage. We love the relationship between singer and listener. And we really wanted that feeling. Um, we were ready to go. We were ready to perform live. Um, in in full takes and um, yeah, there's like a real chemistry between us two when we sing live together. It's totally different than 
you know, listening to a track and singing, you know, layering it like you normally would. I think it was really great to, to capture the chemistry that we have. We are singing together at the same time in the same room. Like yeah. when it is a performance yeah. and it, you know, you get all the little nuances and stuff. And we actually recorded even a bunch of, we captured all of the, I don't want to say it was banter because it was in the studio really, you know, but like we had all of this talking on the album and we, I think, did we cut all of it all out? It was like we kind of cut, yeah. cut and cut and cut and cut because it was just so, it made us laugh, but we were like, well, we've known us for like 20 years. So we probably need to like introduce people to us through the music first and then, and then we can start you know, putting all of our jokes on the album. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, I think one of the things that we cut was like, we, we had finished one of Jen's songs and I just like as earnest, I was as earnest and as honest as I could have been like into the mic, looked at Jen and said, Jen, we are so good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then like, you know, in retrospect, like in, in the moment, it was like, oh my gosh, that was magical. But, you know, like Jen said, like, we you Nobody, nobody wants to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) And it really was just for us in the moment. And then once we played it in that context, we're like, well, that, that's not really what I meant. It was like, we just did that. And I'm really proud of us. And your music is so beautiful. And, um, but yeah, that's not what I said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at the same yep. time, I mean, were there challenges involved in recording that way, or did things move pretty quickly? Oh, man. I, when there I was, was potential banjo. for challenges. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> banjo. banjo can be finicky. But I think there's, it should have been, it seemed like it was going to be really hard. I think we were a little bit nervous because we hadn't given ourselves very much time. Um, and there's so much that can go wrong when you are trying to do every element live all at the same time. Um, and the fact that we got it done in what, like a day and a half is pr- like another just example of it being magical. <laughs> We're like, wow, we just finished that. <laughs> yes. So is this pretty much how you want to keep this project, just the two of you? Is there any thought of like bringing, at least for live shows, like other performers on with you? Or do you rather just keep it just you, Meredith, and Jan? We've never talked about oh. that. Yeah, we never have. I, I'm pretty, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm not ready to add yet. I certainly wouldn't. Um, totally worth considering and I love collaborating I love playing with other musicians but there's something really special that's happening just with like this little core of music and Jen and I playing together that um, haven't really considered making it more bigger involving more people quite yet well, as you said, uh, the album is coming out on May 29th, and Jen, you have uh, is it Jen that has the solo recording that's coming out in August? Do I have that right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you're also working on the the musical uh, right now, Jen. But what does come beyond you know uh, beyond May and beyond these projects? Do you have uh, plans for the rest of the year once things reopen and once you can get those, grand those vision? Yeah, those shows rescheduled and get all that out of the way. Well, yeah. What about the the grand vision of Siren Songs, or for yourselves or your individual projects? 
well, we, I know we would love to do a lot more touring. So once that kind of back, you know, business as usual sort of a thing, we'll definitely be focused on um, more tour dates, I think. Um, and also with Siren Songs, uh, like Meredith, I, I have a vision for um, at least four more albums because um, I would love to do Siren Songs and then of each season, kind of. Um, not kind of, exactly. Siren Songs of Summer, <laughs> Siren Songs of Winter would be like our holiday um, album. Uh, so that's what I see with Siren Songs. Would you agree, Mir? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then for our own individual things, you know, Meredith is still, she's involved in theater projects. Um, I'll be doing a lot of touring to, in support of my individual album. Um, I also have a live album coming out in October. Um, so we have a bunch of stuff lined up. Wow. Well, that's awesome. I hope everyone uh, keeps an eye on what Meredith and Jen are doing. But for the time being, the first album by their project, Siren Songs, is out on May 29th. Keep an eye on their Facebook page for rescheduled tour dates. And again, as they suggested, go to Spotify and maybe uh, you know pre-save their album on there and keep an eye on when the album comes out and for the singles that they'll be having, uh, that they'll be releasing over the next little while in advance of the album. Meredith, Jen, thank you so much for spending some time with me today. This has been a treat. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things that I love about musicians that make ambient or new age sounds is that despite the dreamier spiritual intentions behind their work, they tend to be light-hearted, often gregarious folks. That's definitely the case with Chris Russell. While his career has veered into dance music and sometimes industrial sounds, the music that has been getting him the most attention is his ambient recordings, like the recently released Destiny. He works so well in the realm of these multi-colored, hypnotizing compositions that float like a streak of oil in a puddle. Now, while Russell is from Illinois, his last few albums in this vein have been released via the local label Spotted Peccary, a hub for electronic sound and acoustic music that is both beautiful and challenging. And if you're looking for a pathway into their vast discography, there's no better place to start than with the work of Chris Russell. Chris Russell, thank you so much for being on World of Noise today. Hello, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so something I'm asking all of my interview subjects these days, starting off our interviews, is, you know, because this pandemic has had a huge impact on the music industry, I want to know how it's affected your work and what uh, what people can do to support you more directly during this time. Um, uh, I have, uh, you know, there's a lot of material that's available um, I just in December released an EP's worth of music on Bandcamp. That's a free download, and, and it's going to stay 
it's going to stay a free download. Um, uh, the streaming, whatever, you know, just however they can get the, the art, you know, uh, even, even if they just play it on Spotify, you know, this, this new record destiny has been, um, a lot of the listeners have been responding very positively to it. You know, a lot of the listeners are stuck at home and, uh, uh, I'm hearing from a lot of people that this is helping them with their stress level and giving them a sense of, of hope and optimism. And um, this album itself is, is a lot lighter of a project for me. And um, I never in a million years did I ever think that I'd have something come out during a pandemic. So, um, you know, I'm adjusting to that. That alone is going to make this album uh, significantly more special than others going down the road. I think it, it's, uh, I just never, I never imagined it. But if I, but I guess if I had to pick a record to be, to come out during a time like this, this would have been the one. Um, and what is, uh, and what is your, what is your Bandcamp address so people can get a hold of that? Oh, uh, it's Void Music One at Bandcamp dot com. All right. Now it says on that, it says on that Bandcamp page that you've been releasing ambient music since around two thousand nine. Were you doing anything musically prior to that? Um, I started uh, in Central Illinois with uh, in bands. I used to play bass. I used to play guitar. Um, I, I, I started listening to ambient music as a, as a real, at a real young age. But um, I did the band. I did the live scene through my twenties, and um, I'd say it was around late two thousands that I, um, yeah, I really started shifting over more towards the. Uh, the ambient realm, you know, like I, I just didn't, <clears throat> one of the reasons was all the work with the bands and the playing live and touring around the Midwest, never had any albums come out, never had any like solid, like this is what I have for all the work and the music writing and stuff like that. Like, you know, I always loved the fact that Richard James and Steve Roach and people like that, it was this one person creating this whole world and doing all these albums. And that, that always appealed to me. And I think that um, that's where I wanted to go. That's where I saw myself. So um, I uh, I dabbled around for a while just in a bedroom studio. And it wasn't until about 2009 when I linked up with my, the first label, Atma Works, that I really started taking things more serious. And I realized that I'll probably be doing this forever or as long as I can be. That's when it started to not become a hobby anymore. Okay. Now, were those the artists that sort of, as you said, you mentioned some artists there. Were those sort of like your big inspirations at that time, folks like Steve Roach? Yes, absolutely. Anybody else you want to mention? And Richard James. um, You know, I also listened to a lot of stuff that wasn't really ambient or electronic, you know, like... um, Growing up, I, I mean, I liked uh, guitar players like, you know, Joe Satriani or uh, bands like, you know, Tool or Primus, you know. I mean, my music is all over the place. Like, I could even appreciate Lawrence Welk, you know. Like, I could just find, in, you know, if, if it spoke to me or if there was talent behind it, you know, it, um, I would gravitate toward it. And my parents had a real eclectic record collection. So growing up, I mean... It was Led Zeppelin, it was Tomita, um, Weather Report, Chuck Mangione, you know, I mean, it really was exposed to some heavy hitting stuff early on, and I think that that helped a lot, too. 
That's actually a little uh, illuminating because, you know, listening to your work and even on this new album, Destiny, there feels like there are two streams working through it. One that's very soothing and dreamy, and there's another one that's a little rougher and a little little discordant. Is that sort of essential to you as you're writing music to sort of have those two elements in place? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I kind of dwell in this gray area, you know, like I really tried to make this album more light. You know, and while, and the interesting thing is, while I was working on Destiny, I was also working on my Exosphere album, Presence. And the the themes behind that were like 3 a.m. challenges and a, an abandoned asylum and, you know, stuff like that. You know, paranormal ghost hunting and just it, totally on the opposite end of where I was with, with the Destiny album, which was very serene, very peaceful, free-flowing sounds. Um I restrained myself to not put any like hard left turns in, um, you know, where I would want to, I get that knee jerk of like, maybe it's my ADD. I'm not sure, but with doing ambient music, I can't have it be too repetitive or too monotonous, I guess, you know, like I always got to drop a sound in somewhere because I don't know, that's just what I like to do. But on this record, I was like, no, not going to do that. I'm gonna I'm I'm just gonna make this a really nice record. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you mentioned the Exosphere record. I mean, are, are you do you work as you're writing music in that very thematic vein of like having sort of ideas and concepts you want to try to present through your music, or does it all come very you know free flowing and just you're following these threads wherever they take you? Well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, uh, sometimes it's films. Sometimes it can be, you know, my journey, ex- adventures with the traveling or being out in the forest someplace, um, uh, you know, like on presence, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, uh, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining and a lot of the YouTubers I like that do um, urban exploring or the ghost stuff. Um, you know, my wife and I, we love watching ghost adventures. And so that, that was what fueled that record on destiny it was um it, it kind of turned more personal where it's like i've been doing this for 10 years so it's like a personal journey in a sense of of me uh just you know finding finding my way from the first album to that album and making it be i don't know something that hopefully translates over to the listener that um you know that i've walked in the path less traveled you know i'm not I'm not doing like the normal um, uh, verse, chorus, first chorus, rock and roll kind of stuff. Well, let's talk a bit about how you actually build this music up. Now, you are using a combination of software and soft synths and hardware for everything. Is that pretty true to say? Yeah, uh, it, it is a lot of software based. I mean, there's so many plugins. Uh, Omnisphere, Reactor, um, I use Reason sometimes. Um, I don't use. I don't use a ton of hardware and um, I just try not to get bogged down in a lot of stuff that 
um, is going to take a long time to learn. You know, I started off with some of the software programs and I still use today, but the newest upgraded ones, you know, there's really not a whole lot that's changed in my studio from say like 2009 to now. I mean, obviously I do like gear upgrades, you know, new mini controllers, new monitors, things like that. But for the most part, the nuts and bolts of it don't change much. And uh, I do a lot of, I don't write a song in a traditional sense. I do a lot of sessions. So the sessions, the audio from the sessions, I'll stack up and layer and I'll add and subtract. And it's almost like painting a picture or something with the sounds. And then that's how I go in and create these worlds. And I don't get super attached to the music or um, these albums when I feel like it's done, I, I just let it go and just let everybody else kind of digest it. And I always have at least maybe two or three, sometimes four projects going at one at any given time. I don't um, just focus on one album. Wow. And I think that helps a lot. That helps me from getting burned out. Uh, definitely helps. Well, it's interesting because, you know, I looked at some of the photos on your Facebook page that showed, you know, your computer as you're constructing these things. And it's almost like a spider web of all these uh, plugins that you're using to connect all these pieces together. I mean, has that process become an easy one for you to do? Do you sweat over every last detail? Uh, you know, one of my, <clears throat> one of my downfalls is not always taking really good notes when things are being built up. Okay. Um, it's, it's, it's a real DIY, you know, and, um, yeah, like I'll be using a cool patch on a track and someone will ask me about it and I'll just totally draw a brain. It's like, Oh man, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) If If it sounds cool, I record it. You know, that, that's like my motto when I'm playing around in the studio. Um, and, um, uh, even if I'm just, let's say I load up Omnisphere and I'm just going through patches and I'm noodling around, I'm probably going to record something that day. You know, I try not to ever waste anything. Um, and that goes with any album, you know, any any material that's left over, it, it could show up in the next project. I try not to be real wasteful. I try to try to use ideas. Now, this record, Destiny, has come out on the Portland label Spotted Peccary. Uh, how did you connect up with those kids? The first time I ever worked with Spotted Peccary was uh, the 2014 release Big Traces with Philip Wilkerson. was an amazing experience i mean you to me in my opinion they're they're like one of the major labels with this genre of music and it was such an honor to be able to work not only with philip but work with spider peckery and their team and it's amazing people behind the scenes and the artwork is gorgeous and uh it's just such a treat i love it really do 
And is your relationship with the label one where you just simply hand over the work to them and it's ready to release? Or is there any back and forth that you have with them where you have to reconsider elements or do they reject material? I mean, how does that process work? That hasn't happened so far. I mean, I'll give you an example. When I turned in Echo, I was... I was nervous. I thought, man, this is going to be the one that they say, no, we can't do this. <laughs> it was so different. It was, it was so experimental and um, it didn't really have, and it had a theme that weaved through it, which was sound design, but it didn't really musically, like it just was all over the place, you know, at least in my opinion. So that was one where I thought that, but but they but they loved it and they were super supportive of it. And um, uh, an album like Labyrinth, you know, that was a real personal record. That was my first solo release with Spotted Peccary, and um, you know, I just, yeah, I, I, each one's been really special. And I can't, um, they've never said more of this or less of that, or you know what I mean. I I thought I overdid granular granular sounds on Destiny. Um, I thought that there was too much grittiness in some of the sounds that I, that I used and, um, you know, that wasn't an issue. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been really good. Now, as you mentioned, Philip Wilkerson, uh, over the years, you have collaborated with a number of different artists like uh, Eric Norman and Eyes Cast Down and Dawn Tuesday. Um, when it comes to collaborative work like that, I mean, is that something that comes really naturally to you? Is it uh, an easy process to just work someone into your workflow or how does that come together, those, those processes of, of collaborating? Well, each person is different. And, uh, and they work in their own um, speed. And so um, I usually open it up to, you know, send and receive the material. And, you know, when the music's flowing, I can jump in and, and crank these tracks out, you know? If it takes a little time, which sometimes they do, I'm okay with that. Like, once again, like I said before, I always have other things to work on. So um, I love working with other artists. I really, truly believe that a good collaboration is one where it takes you someplace you couldn't get to on your own. And I feel like with all the artists that I've worked with, that's happened. Um, you know, love working with, you know, Don Tuesday and Eric Norman, my good friend from the Giving Tree Band. Um, actually right now we're discussing starting up a third album because this band's not touring right now. So, um, yeah, this is exciting. It's always nice to, to work with, with, with other artists and, um, 
it also gives me an opportunity, just like when I do compilation pieces, to do some different things that I might not be really um, uh, confident of trying with my solo album. You know, like I can sneak in new styles or sounds with a, in a collaborative project. I feel freer to experiment sometimes more. And so I like it, definitely. Now, have you been able to or had any interest in performing this music live? Yes. Um that's been a struggle uh, to get from the studio to the stage because I uh, naturally am a performer and I love, you know, hamming it up on stage, I guess. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's interesting. Really do that with ambient music. I was going to say, you, this doesn't really, with ambient? <laughs> I was going to say, this doesn't really, this music doesn't really uh, lend itself to, you know, being really performative like that. So that's funny. No, you're not going to stage dive during an ambient show, but, uh, <laughs> I guess you could if you wanted, but <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I did a performance with Kevin Roy Kramer um, late last year and it was recorded and it was really just an improv thing. I mean, we didn't really uh, plan or map anything out. I just uh, plugged in gear and we just let it rip and it was interesting. Um it's something that I would like to do more of, but I would also like to do something that I actually plan out and dive into all these albums I've done, but do it in front of an audience, you know, add layers live in. I have an idea for, for live stuff. It's just a matter of, you know, making some bigger purchases, getting some more stuck gear to help me with it. And I think in the future that's going to happen because I feel like that's what's next for me is finding a way to get out of the studio and get back onto the stage. Well, beyond that, beyond trying to get yourself back onto the stage, once stages are once again available for you to play on, uh, I mean, what does come next for you and your music? You say you've got some new projects in the, on the horizon. What can you tell us about those? Um, I haven't started any solo albums yet. There's uh, plenty of ideas, like albums that are kind of in different stages, but, um, you know, like I have that that album with Philip Wilkerson I'm going to be doing. Uh, kind of dabbling around with some video editing software. Um, possibly going to do a YouTube channel in the future. Uh, something that I, I, you know, want to try to... I'm a, I'm a photographer and I love taking pictures. So I'm going to try to find a way to fuse more uh, visual elements in with the the albums I've done, the music that I create, but then also find a way to, um, you know, obviously once America starts back up again and we can go to parks and do things like that, you know, maybe do some videos like with roadside attractions and maybe a little urban exploring, maybe some ghost hunting, synthesizer <laughs> stuff, you know, ambient, just all of it. I, all the things that I'm into and I'm, that, I, that interests me that might interest other people. I mean, you know, one day we could do in the studio video. The next day we could go Bigfoot hunting. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Possibilities are limitless. They're, they're limitless. And, and people eat that stuff up on YouTube. I mean, hey, look. Look what just brought this country together. Tiger King. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> 
It's very true. Very true. Well, if anyone <laughs> wants to hear more of Chris Russell's music beyond what you've heard in this episode, Void Music One, that's the number one dot bandcamp.com is the place to go, or head over to spottedpeckery.com where you can find his latest album, Destiny, and his previous couple albums that were released on Spotted Peckery. Chris Russell, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. This has been fun. That about does it for this edition of World of Noise. Thanks again to Siren Songs and Chris Russell for being my guests, and thank you for listening. You'll want to tune in next week as I'll be helping honor the 25th anniversary of the release of Elliot Smith's self-titled album with the help of the man who helped release it back in 1995, Slim Moon of Kill Rock Stars. It's a great conversation and a perfect chance to pay tribute to the late singer-songwriter who is still one of Portland's best-known native sons. All that next week on World of Noise. Until then, thanks for listening. Thank you.